Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, everybody? Tyler Armstrong here, student pastor at 12th Street, here with Thomas Winborn. What's up, Thomas? How you doing today? Good, man. How's it going with you? Man, I'm going to be honest. I am like exhausted yet relieved that Easter is over. I don't know. Do you, do you feel the same way like as a pastor sometimes? Yeah, it's got to be the busiest week of the year in ministry for most guys. And then this week was like just completely different because we had live stream and drive in church. I mean, I it was like a rejoicing factor. Like, yes, Christ is risen. But then at the same time, I'm like, yes, I'm going to celebrate the risen Christ by resting on Monday. Well, in the midst of a d- real difficult time and overwhelming time for a lot of us, it's also exciting because we're doing ministry in new ways right yes. now. But at the same time, most people don't know that we were having major issues trying to get our live stream to work. We lost abilities on live stream. We had had a few days prior with our Good Friday service. We had trouble with our sound and everybody was letting us know about it as we were in the middle of doing yes. our services. And so it was a very hectic day for us that we're kind of behind the scenes working this stuff out although it was a great day yeah and a very encouraging day for me it, it was really a big a big long difficult week leading up to that point. yeah just a little bit just personal for me like I, I live stream was so stressful because nothing was working like it was supposed to the sound wasn't working I mean it's almost like Satan like possessed like that system I mean like that's how it felt I mean it was like the enemy was coming at us at all to all all forms coming at us and technology wasn't working and um, I walked out to drive in church and I'm trying to get all that set up. And I walked up to the mic and I honestly just kind of felt just kind of this, this, this peace just come over me. And I mean, just speaking God's word, seeing all the people gathered. And I mean, I just got emotional because I mean, I miss gathering together, but that was kind of like a renewal for me. Like this, this moment of renewal where I just got to go, okay, it's going to be okay. Jesus is risen today. Yeah, and then if, if you didn't notice this, if you go back and look at the weather, if you can do that at this point, uh, I even recorded it on my phone, went back and looked at the weather, the, the radar, you could see that as our service progressed and drive-in church, this line of storms was coming up, and then all of a sudden there was this like hole in the line yeah. that it, it, encircled, it encircled our location, and then it stayed off of us until right when we were done, and then it, the deluge happened. Yeah. And so it was almost like God just kind of provided the way that we could still gather, which is an additional blessing to the day. Yep. And all the things that Easter is about, gathering as the church, celebrating the resurrection of the King of Kings. And we were able to do that even then in a time where we couldn't gather indoors. So a lot of good things, a lot of craziness happening throughout the yep. day, throughout the week leading up to that. Yeah, but the Lord is good. He is yeah, risen. Always. And we uh, we worship him in joyfulness and gladness. So um, we're going to start the podcast out just kind of just really quick, asking a few questions. Um, who's got your ear? Who are you worshiping with? What are you reading? And what's a book that everyone needs to read? Uh, we're going to do this every week, just to kind of just resource you, just to kind of point you towards biblical sound music, biblical sound uh, reading books, uh, biblical sound, um, just whatever, just trying to get it out there into your hands uh, so that you can uh, learn, grow deeper in your faith, as well as just know what we're doing and what we're reading. So Thomas, uh, who's got your ear right now, man? Yeah, so I'm listening a lot right now to Will Mancini. Uh, he's a guy that's big on vision. He's big on trying to work through situations, help churches to, to shape their vision, their direction. And we've been listening to him a lot as a staff for the last 18 months. And right now he's carrying through several churches uh, through this season. And I've been listening, checking in with him once a week on a uh, webinar with him. Uh, it's been really helpful for me to kind of keep us focused on where we're going and kind of realign us in this current context. What about you, Tyler? Who are you listening to? 
right now? Man, um, I've been listening a lot to Mark Sayers. Um, I heard about him through another podcast called This Cultural Moment. And uh, that podcast is on hiatus right now, but I've been listening to his sermon podcast. Um, they specifically did one. It's called Bloom. It's about Lent. And uh, very just kind of cool how he's actually kind of turned this COVID-19 church season into, hey, God has actually planted us so that we can bloom in this dark time. Um, use, even use the illustration of Christ being planted in the ground on Good Friday to be bloomed out of the ground, you know, resurrection. I really like that imagery. Yeah, and I, I love that imagery of, um, of even the church in this season. You know, we're being planted right now just for us to bloom. And so that's been really encouraging to me. I love Mark Sayers. Let me say this about Mark, too. Mark is what, what used to be for me when I first was going into ministry. Tim Keller was the guy everybody was listening yeah. to. Yeah, that's and good Mark one. Sayers is now like the new Tim Keller with his ability to exegete culture to let us know where the church stands, where culture's going, how the church needs to interact with it. It's great listening to him. Yeah, and he's Australian, which makes it even so much cooler just hearing that accent. Yeah, sure. right? and so, <laughs> so uh, who are you worshiping with, Thomas? Yes, I just posted about it last night on Facebook. City of Light. City of Light. One word. Um, they're out of Australia. They are. They have an Anglican background. Um, they just, man, they they have been nailing it in worship for the last several years. And uh, all their stuff seems to be very solid biblically, uh, theologically. It's solid. And um, man, the song "Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me" is what a lot of people know. Uh, God is for us is one of the songs that's really been burning in my heart. My kids love it. We we'll turn on this on YouTube at night and have what we call the Windborn Dance Party with all of our mm-hmm. family. We just yeah, dancing, awesome. you know, in the living room. So uh, this is one of the bands that we're really listening to. Some of it's even older songs that they've kind of replayed through different instruments, but it's the same melodies for a lot of them. But, man, their stuff is just so good. Yeah, I'm, I will echo that. Um, I've been on them for a while. Um, I really like City of Light. Their album from 2016, Only a Holy God, that song, Blessed Assurance, I promise you, I listen to that maybe every other day. I just love to be reminded of the promises of God and the way they do it through song beautiful, great worship music. Yeah, good stuff. So what are you reading right now? Uh, well, actually, uh, last night I opened up a new book called The Coaching Habit, uh, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever by Michael Stenier. And um, I like that book uh, a lot. I like the idea of coaching and doing that type of work. Uh, it helps you to just listen more to where people are and not try to tell them everything, but let them understand and discover answers. That's way more powerful for people. And so learning how to ask good questions is really important. So I'm always trying to grow in that area. So somebody wants to grow in leading others, uh, coaching is a really good one. That's a good book, The Coaching Habit by Michael Stenier. Um, as for me, uh, Seminary dominates most of my reading right now. Um, I, I occasionally get to pick up a book that I want to read, but right now, which, I mean, I'm saying nothing against this book. This is a phenomenal book. Yeah, it is. Um, but I've read it. So I've read it before, so I'm revisiting for a book review. Um, it's Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, this is like the 40th anniversary edition, so it has like essays from like John Piper, Mark Dever, Ligon Duncan, like guys that we know and respect. Um, and so that's been really encouraging to me to get to revisit this book about, I mean, the guy who literally preached, as they said, was logic on fire. I mean, I love that imagery of Lloyd-Jones. Yeah. Um, and so I've really, I mean, just getting to revisit it and get, getting ready to write a book review on it has been phenomenal. And, and, so. that, and that book is probably for preaching books. If, you had, if I had to list the top 10 preaching books every guy needs to read if they're going to be preaching the word that's in there preaching and preachers by martin lloyd jones one of my heroes of the faith it's phenomenal i love it um i've read it this will be my third time through so 
Uh, close us out. What's a book that everyone needs to read, need to get their hands on? Yeah, so I would say if you haven't, most people I, I talk to seem to have had some kind of exposure to it. But I would say Francis Chan's Crazy Love is a book that I push to everybody. It impacts everybody at different levels. As you go through the book, it gets a little bit more kind of foreign to our way of thinking in some parts, especially at the end. But, I mean, the very first four chapters, I say read the first four chapters before you stop reading it. Uh, it is very impactful. It was one of three or four books I was reading when God did a major shift in my life around how to do ministry how to think about ministry, how to think about uh, giving the gospel and, and living out the life of Christ. Yeah, see, I got my hands on Crazy Love as a 17-year-old you know, student in student ministry. Yeah. And it was that book and then Radical by David Platt, like Bam Bam. Yeah, that that's like, one of the others. Sh- yeah, that shifted my life. Yep. I mean, so, I mean, I love Francis Chan. I love Crazy Love. Yeah. So that's a I great read both of those in 2008, and that's when that shift mm-hmm. kind of happened for me along with a couple others at the same time I was reading. I think most of the time you and I are reading three, four, or five books at a time. Yeah. We're never just reading one, and, and it was a mix, and that was two of the, the books I was reading when I had that major shift. Um, if I had one book to recommend to everyone listening right now, it would be The, the Ruthless Elim- Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. The reason why I would recommend this book is because we live in a culture that idolizes hurry, that is so busy. Um, and right now, where everything has just kind of been halted to a stop, it's almost like God is eliminating hurry from our lives in the middle of this. So I would encourage you, get this book. Um, it has four essential practices to slow down your life, to focus on God, and to really draw into his presence. Uh, Comer is another guy that I would say is kind of on that leading front, kind of engaging the intellect, but from a different light than Sayers is. Uh, but I would encourage everyone to read that book. Yeah, and their podcast, This Cultural Moment, uh, that really is trying to exegete the culture and what John Mark does is kind of interpret what Mark Sayers has to say. Uh, and John Mark Comer, that's that's the guy that Tyler and I both picked up on. Um, you know, we started reading him and listening to him because we were on this journey about kind of going back to these spiritual practices that have been kind of forgotten and we've kind of dumbed down church. I put that in quotes, dumbed down church uh, to say if you just show up on Sunday, if you just go to a small group and you just read your Bible and do a little prayer in the morning, that you're man, you're a mature Christian. But we just know that's not the case. We don't look like Jesus. We're not mature. And a lot of things we're missing out on. So we've been on this trajectory, this this movement, which has brought us around to where our vision and our strategy for church has led us to that as ideas of presence and formation and mission and how those play out in spiritual practices really feed those things for us. And so John Mark is uh, really putting out some good stuff right now, especially that book for kind of an introduction to those things. And with that, let's move to our topic for today's podcast, moving from 8020 to 2080. Um, Thomas, why don't you explain kind of what that means? Yeah, so the idea of 8020 to 2080, this idea of moving from one to the other, this basically comes down to the idea that what we spend our time on in the church has got to shift. Uh, everything we've done up till now, and most churches in the West have been 80% program management and 20% people development. And that's kind of a nice way, actually. It may be even more like 90% program management mm-hmm. to 10% people development, or maybe even a, a greater, like you know, 95, 5%. Um, another way to look at that is uh, platform ministry. What we do from the stage has been about 80% of the time uh, of what we spend our time on. And pipeline development, developing leaders, developing leaders who can develop other leaders. That's been 20% or less. And so what we need to do before the church pandemic 
excuse me, before the pandemic started in the church and in the world, uh, we were doing 80% program management and 20% people development. What we need to do at this point is recognize we need to get back to what the scriptures talk about. And Jesus doesn't talk about program management or platform ministry. He talks about making disciples who make disciples. So we're swapping that to be from 80% program management and 20% people development to now being 80% people development and 20% program management. We're not doing away with our programs. Right now, we're still doing uh, our main services through live stream, through drive-in church. We're still doing some stuff with our kids that's done by our leadership with Tracy. Um, just over our students that's done by Tyler and Olivia and Luke. Uh, we're, we're doing a lot of that stuff still, but that's a smaller amount of what we're spending our time on. We're spending way more time on trying to understand how we can develop people. And I think that's a healthier way for us to, to live out the gospel the way that Jesus intended. Yeah. And even speaking into this, um, when, when this idea that Thomas first came to me and we, and, and to our staff and said, Hey, you know, we need to move from 80, 20 to 20, 80 and broke it down it made me like evaluate my own ministry and look at the things we do. And I realized how much time I actually spend on program management. I mean, Wednesday night services, you know, events, all of these different programs. And then I started thinking, there's something that I hear a lot around here. And it's mostly from, you know, 50 and older. What does your youth program look like at your church? Like, what is your youth program? And, And that idea for a program is essentially foreign to the scriptures. I mean, I mean, I mean, we, it's good. It's not a problem. You can do biblical based programs, but at the same time, when we look at the scriptures, it's a lot of people development and we've kind of slipped away from that in in the American church specifically. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it's come, it's come because a lot of things have changed over time. Mm -hmm. Right. But what's crazy is that we kind of think of the program development uh, of churches. What programs does this church have? What programs has it had in the history of the church? Some of those become sacred cows that are actually more important than what's happening, you know, in the church as a whole, especially the people development side. Um, What, what kind of struck me about this a decade ago or more is talking to somebody who thought that they were a mature Christian but they had never even thought they should be making disciples. They never even crossed their mind that they weren't maybe as mature as they thought they were because they had never endeavored to make a disciple. But Jesus spent his entire ministry making disciples who would then make disciples. And he told them to go and make disciples. And, and Paul talks about it and gives three generations saying, take what I've given you and entrust it to other men who will entrust it to others. I mean, that's three or four generations of disciple making. There's no talk about programs. There's talk about making disciples who make disciples. So I think this has actually been the season of, 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 of time going through this pandemic has made us rethink how we do ministry, which might lead us back to be more like the church Jesus intended by spending our time on how can we develop others so that they can then develop others as well. Because we can't get people to develop ministries on their own that will be platform ministries like we do on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. They would need so much stuff to be able to do that. But they can make disciples in their homes, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces. But we've got to boil that down to how do we develop people so that they can then develop others where it's tangible. Like what Jesus did with disciples. I mean, the God, fully God man, Jesus, taught men who were mess ups, basically, Mm -hmm. just like the rest of us, how to then go and be the light of the gospel. And then he empowered with the Holy Spirit so that they would be able to live that out in a way that is right and true and stays biblical and and, and stays in line with what he taught. And one of the the best pictures of this in the scriptures is Acts 2 in the early church. 
Um, I'm going to read this passage from Acts 2, 42-47. This is immediately after the first Christian sermon that's ever been preached by Peter. Peter preaches this sermon. They are cut to the heart is what the word says. And they say, what shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And it says 3,000 were added to their number that day. And almost immediately after, we get this picture of what the early church was doing. And let's just read this. This is Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day all those who were being saved. And so, I mean, this is a, I mean, in all all reality, it's miraculous that 3,000 people, that all from all different demographics of life, all different places geographically, are now all together doing this. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And look what they're devoting themselves to. I mean, in verse 42, 43, you see they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what we do on Sunday morning. And any of our small groups, we read the Bible together. And then to the fellowship, that means to the gathering of people. We see it again in verse 46, where they are gathering in the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, um, where they are praying. They're focused on praying. Um, And we see that this was what was being the church. Uh, this this is what it means to do church, to be church together, to be church when we're in our homes. Uh, this was the core. And what's funny is that those are the things we do when we have time now. I mean, prayer, I mean, some of us, we struggle to have prayer on a daily basis because we don't make time for that. Or taking time to be together. This is what they focused on doing, caring for one another, doing those type things. And, and, and they praised God with their hearts. They were glad and generous. And it says in that last part, verse 47, and having favor with all the people. Is our church the type of church where everybody thinks about 12th Street Baptist Church and goes, man, I love that church. I want to see what they're doing. I want to include them on this. I want to ask them to help with that. That's the church we need to become. That's the church we're starting to become, I think. We've been doing it for 120 years. It's not something that's new to us, but it's something we've had seasons of doing it better than other seasons where we haven't done it as well. And now I think what we're doing now, right now in this season, what we've been doing for the last couple of years, uh, what's been going on since we moved to this location, we're seeing an opportunity to become that church again. But the thing is, maybe we're missing out. Maybe we're spending all our time on things that maybe aren't as important as what some of the things should be. Yeah. And, and and let me just ask you this question. Like, why did it change? Like, what was what would you say was the key shift? And let's just, let's just speak specifically in the West, in America. What was the key shift in your mind culturally that changed how church is done away from the early church model, which is the way Jesus has intended it to be? Yeah, and let me, I have to back up a little bit though, and you're the historian here, so yeah. you'll have to, you know, help to bring some light to this. But you, you can't miss the fact that the church seemed to disappear into the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. you know, after it had this strong drive of growth all over the known world, and then the Middle Ages hit, and it kind of went dark. Yeah, right? it, it kind of went into the holes, it went into the caves, it went into the the chapels, it went into the monasteries, uh, and then from there, when it came back out, it had been kind of clergified, mm-hmm. where the church was only what you did if you were educated. 
educated and you had money and you went into the church and then it was kept from the people. So they put the, that's why you see the stained glass everywhere in churches because that was the visual for people that were ignorant. They didn't know how to read um, and they didn't want them to know how to read because they kept it in Latin. They kept it separate from people to keep them separate from the gospel. Um, they had to go through the priest, go through the clergy where the power was. And then you see the Reformation happen 500 years ago and everything exploded yeah. and they wanted to get the word into people's hands. Martin Luther put the word into German for the normal German people to read and it went to the, the printing press and it changed the world, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think what we've seen though is we've relegated a lot of that back in the West in recent years back into the clergy. If, if you want something to be done, it has to be the clergy that does it. It has to be the deacons who do it. It has to be the elders who do it. Giving communion, who the ones who, who uh, go out and make visits, the ones who can can teach others the Bible, it has to be a Sunday school teacher. We basically re-clergified the church. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I would even interject there and even say that, you know, the idea of clergy is paid staff. Yeah. You know, it's this paid staff idea sure. that the paid staff are the ones who are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. We pay you to do this. You know, we pay you to do this. And so the ministry rises and falls on, on, on the, on the backs of these men that we hire to lead our churches. I mean, I mean, does, I mean, if that makes any sense, like we have essentially and not, I mean, and just kind of in a way have said, you know what, it's just easier for us if we just put it on the pastor, if we just put it on the deacon or the ones who, um, who want to be there, you know, I, if, as long as I can just dial in, come on Sunday, show up every Wednesday, every now and then, then I'm good. Well, I don't think, I don't even think that the people in the churches around us even think that way that they're like doing that, right? No, I don't, no, I don't, no, you don't think so no, 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 not I, at all. I think, I think what's happening is they, all of us have just grown up with church a certain way. This is where we are. I mean, in the 60s and 70s, we had attractional ministry going on, denominationally driven in the 50s, 60s, 70s, where everybody was doing church, and you tried to have a menu of programs. Yeah, this and, is right in the thick of the Jesus movement. Yeah, and yes. so everybody's saying, if you want to really reach people, give them an option for everything they could possibly want. But that's not tenable. We just can't do that. And, and really what you do is you say that we're the amusement park for Jesus. Yeah. Come here and ride this ride and get your fill on this, then go get some cotton candy over here. Instead of saying, no, 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 we're a missional church. And things shifted into the 80s. 90s into being a little bit more towards that missional movement into the 2000s where you hear all this terminology about being on mission. Mm -hmm. We don't have missionaries. We are on mission. We don't do missions. We are a mission. Yeah. Um, and those are all good things. Now we need to understand, though, that we're not just that. Uh, we're, we, it, it's kind of stopping there. We're a training center. That, that's what we need to be. We're a trained. You come here not just to be a part of a program, that, although that might be something you do. You come in this gathering to be trained up, to be sent out. In fact, when you look at what the Bible says our job is as leaders in the church, you see that it says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, that we are to equip the saints for the work of ministry until the church becomes so much like Jesus that it begins to build itself up in love. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a summation of what that's saying yeah. there. So we want to see everyone in our faith family take one step forward in their journey with Jesus. And then we want to see them take one more step forward and so on. So for me, where we go from here is we try to help our people. What we're trying to rethink right now as church in this moment for us is we're trying to learn how can we equip and empower our faith family to help people become apprentices to Jesus. In other words, how we need to help train people to lead themselves to Jesus regularly. Mm -hmm. We need to show them this is how you read the Bible. This is how you focus your heart on Jesus. This is how you confess and repent. This is how you, uh, you feed yourself. And then we need to train them to lead their family to Jesus regularly. And then we need to train them how to lead their friends to Jesus regularly. And then train them to lead their coworkers 
members of Jesus regularly, and so on. So we're here to train. Now, I know that most people in our church, they don't think that, that it's just easier to give us the work. That's not the case. Everybody here serves. I mean, this faith family is such a serving faith family. 100%. It is such a generous faith family. And so I think, though, that it is a mind, it's a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. For us to rethink who we are and what we do. And if we begin to see that it's not necessarily about all the programs, we're still going to do programs. We're going to have things that happen. But if our primary focus is on developing people to be like Jesus, then the programs have actually been brought in to kind of do that for us. And, And what we'll see is that as we become more of the missionaries on the mission, on the field, doing that and help people to know and become more like Jesus, apprentice to Jesus, then the programs won't be as important in a lot of ways as what they were to us because now we are taking the gospel out instead of asking people to come to us to hear the gospel in this gathering. Yeah, and I, I think that that's what the 80-20 to twenty eighty shift is all about. The 80-20, returning back to that thought, you know, we spent 80% of our time on program development and 20% on people development. Now we're being forced to f- spend most of our time on people development um, and then to program and then, 80, and then only, you know, 20% of our time on program development. Thinking through that, um, I think that one way that we can really focus on this is just getting back to the scriptures. I mean, going back to the Bible. Uh, I, I think last week, you know, you asked this question in, in the podcast in the very first episode. If all we had was this Bible, how would we do church? You know, and I, and I think that we would say, well, we'd probably do church differently yeah. than the way we do it now. Sure. And so I think we need to just really just face ourselves in this moment, this this cultural moment where, you know, we're, we're, we're quarantined, we're thinking through all these new things, and really shift towards developing people for the work of the ministry, and then making our programs about people development, making our programs launch pads in a sense, where we can actually use those and leverage those for the, for the, for the kingdom. I mean, kingdom-focused program development and people development through programs. Yeah, and here's the thing. If we don't shift, Mm -hmm. this season right now, this COVID-19 pandemic that we're going through has really forced us to rethink what we're doing because we have no other thing. We have to. This is what we have to do right now. But if we don't make this shift, what it's done is it's catapulted us to get a glimpse of what it's going to be like in 10 to 15 years in churches. If we don't make the shift now to people development, we will end up becoming like in the West what happened to the church in Europe uh, in the medieval times where the church almost disappeared. There's always a remnant. Well, and even the church now in Europe. I mean, look at, I mean, like literally in Europe now, I mean, we are watching this happen. Bars by churches, apartments by churches. Yep. Um, I mean, they, they, because there's nobody in the churches. Like, there's nobody going to churches where in I, Europe. Where I was in Maryland, literally at the end of my street is a church building that is an apartment. You know, so yeah. I, it's the same thing. That if we don't make this change now, we will watch the church basically jump off a cliff. And this type of stuff we're going through right now, this pandemic, will force it to happen even faster. So if we would allow it to, to open our minds, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do in us right now? I would say he's always trying to drive us back to his word. And his word lays forth what we should do, and we should do exactly what his word says. And if we say, yes, Lord, to those things, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we will see our faith family and lots of other churches around us thrive in a season like this. And when we get back to whatever the new normal is, we will see us be way more productive and successful and effective for the sake of the kingdom, which means that we will be a much larger force in this county, in this state, in the world for the sake of the gospel to go forth. 
And I think that's a great place for us to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the ReChurch podcast. Be, be sure to tune in each week as we continue to talk about becoming the church, the one that Jesus intended.